Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dr. Will. Each week, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, you know we're in season five, which this episode will not air because we haven't launched it yet, but we're going to be continuing all of the success that we've had in season four. And today, people, I told you we were doing it major, and I do mean major. Uh, we have the host, creator, founder of Dreams and Drive. And if you have not been listening to our podcast, there will be a link in the show notes for you to check it out. I am here today with Raina Campbell. Uh, we're going to be talking about podcasting and branding and all sorts of things. Uh, so, Raina, for those who will be listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Simplecast, uh, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Raina Campbell, and I am the host of Dreams and Drive. And um, I, my podcast is all about how you can take your dreams from park to drive. And I interview all sorts of people on the show, entrepreneurs, creatives, uh, people building their careers. And I really dig deep into their why and their stories. I guess you could call me, well, not I guess, you can call me a storyteller. I love telling people stories. I love getting down, you know, digging deep and really figuring out what drives and what fuels people. So that's what the show is about. I am a Princeton University graduate, class of 2013. Um, so education has always been something that I valued in my life. I'm an avid reader, love books, uh, love dancing. And, you know, I personally am on this journey myself, this dreams and drive journey of trying to figure out how I can take my gifts and monetize and build build a life from them. Mm, the Ivy League in the house, people. Yes. Woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you mentioned, you are the host of Dreams and Drive. So, I guess, what turned you on to podcasting? So, you know, that's an interesting question. I think it really goes back to when I was at Princeton. So when I was at Princeton, we had to do, uh, in order to graduate, we had to do senior, uh, they call them junior papers and senior theses, where you basically have these independent research projects. And I don't know what, like, maybe it was the beginnings of my loving for my love to interview people. So my junior paper was all about how uniformed employees on campus felt about their jobs and how their uniforms affected their jobs. So all my junior year, you know, my job was to interview employees and really get their feelings and attitudes about their uniforms. So that turned me on to interviewing. It was just so fun going through that whole process. And then, so for my senior thesis, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do another interview style research project. And I interviewed, um, this time it was on policing, of my in my hometown of Orange, New Jersey. So I interviewed police officers, community residents, and police chaplains about how, you know, what their attitudes on policing were in the town. So that was another year-long project of me really digging deep, really trying to get as many varied interviews as possible in order to make this paper um, the best it could be. And it turned out to be a book. <laughs> it was a 112-page paper. Um, so I really feel like in college, I got turned on to interviewing. After graduating from college, I started writing for um, a website called MadameNoir.com. And it just so happened again, I think I caught the interviewing bug and I ended up doing a lot of profiles on entrepreneurs. And I had a business editor, Tanya Garcia, who was just really like, she really 
encouraged me to continue down that path. So I started my own blog and I started interviewing entrepreneurs on my blog. And there came a point where I'm like, hey, like podcasting is really getting big. It was the summer of 2015. And I said, what would happen if I started my own? And so that kind of was the beginning. I didn't know how to podcast. I didn't know anything about the podcasting industry. But August 2015, I said, all right, I'm going to figure it out. And I put a date on it. January 1st of 2016, I was going to um, launch. Well, I didn't know that it was going to be called Dreams and Drive. I was going to launch something. And that was like the beginning because I knew that it was a growing industry. And I felt like I had been interviewing people for so long, but nobody was hearing the interviews because I was typing them up. And so I thought, you know, I got to take a chance. And I, I don't know where this will take me, but I really knew that I could do really strong interviews. So once you decided, I'm going to do this thing, you put a date on it. Mm -hmm. How did you discover or decide on how your podcast would be structured in terms of whether it was going to be, because where you say you love the interviews, but you know, there's different formats to the podcast and your subject area. Because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, when they think of, I'm going to create a podcast, what holds them back is thinking, well, I have this idea. There's thousands of podcasts out there that have has the same idea. Why should someone listen to me? So mm -hmm. what made you decide I'm going to interview these people, these powerhouses and hear about how they are getting to the next level? So I stuck with the whole question and answer format because that was just something that I had been used to. And I felt like I didn't want to reinvent the wheel or my strategy. Um, but when it came to who I was going to focus on, I genuinely just started with my own interests. So I'm somebody who I think I would describe myself as a creative entrepreneur. So, you know, I love the arts. I love business. I love the intersection between the two. And something that I tell people a lot of times is strategically, I also wanted to build relationships with people. So if I could have a platform where I could build relationships with people that I was admiring in my industry, then, hey, the podcast was the way to go for me. So in the beginning days, it was really about, I think, number one, reaching out to who I already knew and then finding a way to spotlight them. And then also using the podcast as a catalyst to get to know people that I wanted to know. Like I remember early on, one of my first guests, that I didn't know was this woman called the Budget Nista. But I had been following her online for so long. She was from Jersey like me. And I reached out to her. I think she was episode eight. And she came on the show and we've been able to build a relationship since then. So it really was about figuring out what I was interested in because if you're starting out and if you're not interested in the subject matter that you're podcasting about, it's going to be really hard to show up every week. It's going to be really hard to keep going because podcasting isn't easy, especially in the beginning. So that's what's really fueled those beginning days and the beginning interest of the show. And I, I think the powerhouses came later because I got more confidence and said, hey, you know, I could interview anyone. <laughs> Give it to me. So, you know, that, that was what fueled that. Okay. So now I'm going to throw this out there to you because I'm growing in my podcast and I'm starting to get certain guests like yourself coming on. What is it like when you get someone like a Jennifer Lewis or a, a Kim uh, Cole on your show? 
you know, people that we all have seen from afar on such large stages. And now you have this opportunity to ask them whatever you want to ask them. What is that like? I think it's humbling, number one. Um, and it also, I think the first thing that came to mind is you realize they're just a person just like you, right? Like, I, I think sometimes when you think of celebrities, you think they're these larger than life personalities, or you think that the experience of talking to them is going to be different. And it's really just how like me and you are talking right now. It's a conversation and conversations can be had with anyone regardless of who they are, what they are, what their experience is. So I think for me, though, I was a little bit nervous because I know that these people have had, like, they've done thousands of interviews. And how was I going to make this one stand out? And I was also thinking about my listeners, like, would they, I think that if you're interviewing somebody, and I'm saying this with air quotes, famous, right, that your listeners are expecting it. I think they have like a different expectation of what they're going to get out of it or, you know, will they learn anything new? So I was thinking of all these things and I, I'll tell you with both of them, I was pretty nervous. And I know with the Jennifer Lewis interview in the beginning, she was like, calm down, baby, calm down. Let's breathe. Let's breathe. And she, she could sense that, which I appreciated. So she was really patient with me. And I think if you, um, are confident in your craft. So if you're confident in knowing that you know the type of questions you're going to ask, you know what the style of your show is, and you're comfortable in leading the conversations, because I think celebrities have a way of, not a way, but they're, they know how to guide it to where they want to go. So if you're comfortable with always bringing it back to what the point of your podcast and your show is, making sure they remember that they're a guest on your show and you're not, you're not a guest on their show, I think it helps, but I also think it helps when you have people who are willing and who want to talk. So with Jennifer and Kim, they both were willing and wanted to talk about their stories and they had something to talk about. Kim is a coach in her own right. Jennifer just released a book. So there were things for us to have some common ground and some common uh, levels of inquiry on. So um, it's fun. I still have these dreams of like other famous people that I love to interview and it's nerve wracking, but I feel like it's just a stepping stone. I hear you. I always end my show by telling, asking people like, you know, subscribe and follow because your boy's trying to get Oprah on the show. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I'm just trying to envision like, what would I do if I had that opportunity to actually sit down? So I want to throw this you out there too. You know what? Mm-hmm. Sorry. This is me. Look at me being a podcaster myself. <laughs> the one thing I will say though, that I realize is sometimes the bigger names don't always give you the best stories. And that's what you have to remember as a podcaster. Your duty is to tell the best stories and really influence your audience. And I think some of my best interviews, not saying that those interviews weren't the best, but some of my best interviews have been the ones where people have been really transparent about the ups and downs of their journey. And I think if you hear a good story, no matter what, it, it can you can still get, like, not saying Oprah-level ratings, but... Oprah level engagement too. So don't get discouraged if you haven't yet gotten that quote unquote celebrity because they may not engage with your audience. They may not even share it, right? You might be one in a million to them. So really focus on the quality story. That's something that has really helped me along my own journey. So now I want to throw this out there to you because you have embarked on this thing for multiple years how does someone get better at the craft of podcasting? You know, it took me 
you know, a couple of years, quite honestly, to get comfortable enough in my own skin, my own interview style. Well, I didn't mm -hmm. hear someone else and try to and try to let that influence kind of seep into how I interview. So how, how does someone do that? Go from, you know, here I, I start today as podcasting, but making sure that as their confidence grows, they still understand that they have to work at the craft of podcasts and actually get better. So I think there's a couple of things. Number one, you have to keep doing it, right? I think repetition makes, uh, what's the quote? <laughs> you, know, rep you know, practicing makes perfect in the sense that if you keep doing something over and over, you should be getting better. So that means when you're editing or whoever edits it, making sure you're going back, you're listening, you're taking mental notes about what you're doing that can be improved. I'm constantly, when I'm editing, I'm constantly thinking of ways that I can improve the way that I'm asking people questions. Um, it's also interesting because before I was a podcaster, I used to transcribe all my interviews because I had to do that in order to write. And I think the very act of sitting with the words and seeing how people were talking, you know, seeing things that, like filler words that I was saying, such as like or um or write, and seeing that helps me understand the story better. Um, I'm also a visual learner, so actually transcribing the interviews allowed me to see how everything flowed. Um, and also being somebody who likes literature, I think that helps. Um, another thing that I would suggest is if you want to get better at podcasting, you have to listen to podcasts. Like, you can't just be in your own world of only listening to your show. Definitely make sure that you're listening to podcasts, listening to podcasts that work, podcasts that don't work, podcasts that do well, podcasts that don't, and listening with a critical ear because you should be learning something every time you're listening to some type of audio. So for me, I began to see audio in a different light read all the blogs, well, not all the blogs. I did a lot of research on the industry. Uh, make sure you get some podcasting friends, other people who are podcasters, you guys can share some, some to-dos and, and best practices. So I have a podcast mastermind with some of my favorite, well, they're, not say my favorite, but like my girls, like Dr. Joy, Therapy for Black Girls, Nikhil of Side Hustle Pro, Jamila of Journey to Launch, and Art of, um, the legal, not legal ease, uh, ink secure podcast. So like we all just are constantly in our group chat every day talking about podcasting. But for me, honestly, what helps me get better with podcasting is going back to what my podcast is about, which is about storytelling. So I am just an average story watcher. Like I love watching YouTube interviews. I love watching movies and figuring out why is this movie so interesting? Um, uh, alumni, I remember when I first graduated from Princeton, this alumni gave me this book called The Hero's Journey. And it was basically the mythic structure of storytelling. Something I forgot the name of the book specifically. But in the book, it really outlines all the things that make a good story. So I'm constantly trying to perfect the craft of storytelling. And I think that um, is seen in my podcasting. It's a dope podcast. That's why I wanted Thank to have you. you. You're welcome. That's why I wanted to have you on the show uh, because when it kind of came up in my feed, now normally uh, for those who don't know, when you listen to a certain type of podcast on uh, SoundCloud, for example, they'll start kind of saying, oh, because you listen to this, check out this. And I have been listening to the Side Hustle Pro been, I have reached out to Nikayla so many times on Twitter <laughs> to be a guest, no response. Uh, so if you ever listen to this, 
the invitation is always open. <laughs> but yours came up. And so I listened. Oh. And I listened to another one. Oh, okay. I kept listening. I kept listening. That's oh, this is nice. And what I like about yours and hers, and I try to, is a lot of times when you hear about business advice or self-improvement, some of the most of the names that kind of circulate, particularly online, don't look like us. Yeah. So once I discovered yours and hers, it, just, it it fed me in a way that was different. And then I started looking for other people's podcasts to kind of, you know, get on. So I found Coriel's as well. And so many, and I said, oh, okay. And that's also part of what I do with my podcast is I reach out to entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, teachers who are in that entrepreneur space. If you're dope, you're dope. But I try to really find people of color mm-hmm. uh, to do it as well as entrepreneurs to come in to uh, share their space, their, their, their knowledge, their expertise. Uh, so I want to throw this out there to you now because you talked about your mastermind and I heard those voices, a lot of people that I've heard. Do you feel a responsibility in the work that you're doing as a podcaster, as you're looking for guests, as you're covering these topics to make sure that those people who are not represented are represented? Yeah, you know, I think that's something that in the beginning, it's like people always ask, is your podcast only for black women? And in the beginning, I said, well, it never was my aim for it only to be black women. But I began to realize that people of color were people that these stories weren't getting heard. And they were the ones whose stories was, was of interest to me because I haven't heard them. So I was seeking them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like. Not that I feel a responsibility, but I feel, I I don't feel a responsibility in the sense that if I don't have, let's say there might be two weeks in a row where there isn't a person of color, but I, I see the importance and the impact. And I see that there are people who are listening because they can't go anywhere else. I guess, you know, maybe I do feel a responsibility because I realize that like there are people who are doing just as great things. There are people who are, you know, I feel like when you think of entrepreneurship, you think of the Gary V's, right? The Gary Vaynerchuk's, those people of the world. And I feel like there's diversity and experience that people need to know. You don't need to be this high energy, work 25 hours a day type of person in order to excel. And what I'm realizing, and I was interviewing Dr. Joy uh, a few weeks ago, she told me this, and it was so crazy to me. When she got this hosting gig, um, she hosted a, a reunion special of Teen Mom. And she said that somebody said in her comments that they were so used to seeing Dr. Drew, who's like this psych- psychiatrist, doing these hosting specials, and he's um, he's a white man. And because she's a black woman, and she's now hosting this special on MTV, her, her uh, audience said now they felt like they could do it too. And so I'm realizing as I'm doing this more and more, just the power of being the storyteller and how there is so much, um, there's so much that we can do with our platforms that we might not even realize. And I think that's what I'm coming to realize is just how powerful this is, is me being a black woman. Um, and something also that I'm realizing is not even when it comes to color, but when it comes to experience. So I interviewed this woman, Candace 
Oh my God, why is her last name? Her last name is uh, really, oh my gosh, I should know this. Anyway, this woman, Candace, she is Issa Rae's executive assistant, and she's also a blogger in her own right, but she's a disabled woman. So she's wheelchair bound. She, um, and, and to me, it's like, all right, there are so many other types of experiences that we need to be talking about too, because when you're thinking about black female entrepreneurs, you can get very caught up in like one type of black female entrepreneur. And there's a whole clique of those type of women anyway, too. So they're, who aren't we seeing? So I've had a lot of fun over the past few episodes and exploring different types of experiences within this demographic that I haven't seen that much of, and I want to continue to do more of it. So now I want to get into sort of the technical side of uh, podcasting. You know, when you're first starting out and you hear all of these platforms, you know, like Stitcher and iTunes and, and what have you, how does someone find a hosting site that'll fit best for them? And how does someone uh, find their groove so their, so their podcast does not become part of the grave site that sometimes you go to iTunes, you find something like 2019, this person hasn't had a show since 2016, you know, it's like, what happened to them? So when it comes to your hosting platform, so SoundCloud, SoundCloud can be a hosting platform, but it's also a distribution platform. iTunes is also distribution, meaning that it's being pushed. It's very technical. So basically your hosting platform is where you're uploading your podcast. And then the distribution platforms is where your podcast is being pushed to. So my hosting platform is actually Libsyn and I chose it because number one, it has access to good analytics. So I think if you're a podcaster, you want to have a hosting platform that has access to good analytics, it has great customer feedback or customer support. And it also allows you, it has relationships with distribution platforms such as Spotify, Google Play, um, you know, Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, it allows you to push to all these different feeds, which is what you want as a podcaster. You want to be able to have your podcast being picked up by as many of these um, distribution feeds as possible. When it comes to like, how do you not get your podcast? Like, How do you avoid the graveyard? As you said, you have to be consistent. Like, There's nothing else that is going to make you avoid it right you have to really know why you're doing it and show up every week or however however much your hosting schedule is show up and if you're not showing up you got to ask yourself why you're not showing up and for me with dreams and drive is I was tired of doing interviews and feeling like it wasn't reaching anybody um and I knew that if I was consistent and showed up every week that I would see results and a lot of people ask me but you know Weren't there times where you didn't want to do it? And I said, yeah, there are lots of times where I didn't want to do it, but I still did. And I think I kind of got addicted to seeing the results, you know, month over month, week over week, day over day. I remember in the beginning, I used to look at my stats all the time. Like, how many downloads did I get by 12 p.m.? How many downloads did I get by 8 p.m.? But it also just helped me develop the routine. So as any entrepreneur knows, you really have to create a routine for yourself and podcasting has become part of my weekly routine where I don't question it. It's kind of like 
you don't question, oh, you wake up and brush your teeth. You know you got to do it. And for me, that's what podcasting has, has become. So you got to know what your goal is. And if you're not really committed or not really aligned with what your mission and your vision is, then your podcast will end up in the graveyard. And there's nobody else's, so to, no one else can be blamed but yourself. So what's, since you just brought up, you looking at the analytics, what's more important, likes or downloads or building a community? And where are some of the tricks of, tricks of the trade you've learned? Um, I think when it comes to statistics, I think that you definitely want to, I think downloads or they call them plays, depends on whatever your hosting platform is. Plays are important, but engagement is important as well. Um, you want to see if your total listenership is going up week over week, month over month. It really depends. I think in the beginning, like we can't, like you, you want to know that people are listening to your shows. Like, and if you're doing it because it's just a passion project, then never look at your analytics. But if you're doing it because you want to build an audience and build a community, then you need to know if your show is growing. So I think the two go hand in hand. But when it comes to the community, you also want to see, like, how are people engaging with your podcast? Are they sharing it? Are they um, engaging in discussions you might have in your groups? Are they social with you on social media? Do you feel like you're having an impact? So the two go hand in hand, but it really all depends on your goals as a podcaster. Mm. So in addition to being a podcaster, you are an entrepreneur. Mm. What energizes you about entrepreneurship and what should folks and why should folks drop and I, I, I got this question particularly specifically from your website one of the things that you've written why should people drop that employee mindset okay so i think what energizes me the most about entrepreneurship is the ability to create and to take something from ideation to to execution now i think you can do that within a nine to five setting, but I think every, not everybody always works well in that. So I love like the idea of possibility. That's always been something. I know it might sound very like foo-foo, very whimsical, right? Possibility. But for me, possibility really what has drived me to continue down this entrepreneurial road because honestly, it's very, um, it can be very, what's the word? Like you don't know what's next. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what everything is going to be like. Um, but if you just have this hope that you're creating something that's going to have impact and you're creating something and you're putting everything together and you're seeing how, how you investing in yourself can reap an economic reward for yourself, that's been really fun for me. Um, figuring out how to do that is also a little bit, I think I like the idea of, I think I like figuring it out. That's something that entrepreneurship really is to me. It's this idea of figuring it out and then figuring out what you can do once you figured it out. And why should folks drop the employee mindset? I think, um, I'm trying to remember exactly where I was speaking about that from. Do you remember where I was speaking about where, where that came from? It was a so blog post you wrote. I believe it was from Madame Noir or something like that but it was okay. on your site. Okay. Okay. So when we're thinking about the employee mindset, I think sometimes we can get cramped up in this idea of like, we're, just go to nine to five, come home and there's nothing else. And I think sometimes it limits our ability to really use our gifts and our talents. 
not saying that in each employee situation, each employer situation, you're, you're not, be, you're not utilizing your, your, your uh, talents, but if you step outside of that, and you realize that you can do so much more than what this job is dictating. And I mean, I'm also a big advocate for side hustles. Don't leave the nine to five if that's not feasible for you. But definitely push yourself to figure out how you can create more revenues for yourself outside of this one income stream. Figure out how you can try new things, right? Me being a podcaster has taught me so much. I know how to, you know, I'm basically a one-person company, right? So I'm the CEO, I'm the CFO, I'm the COO, I'm the marketing manager, I'm the social media manager, I'm the publicist. So I've really been able to build these different skill sets that if I, re- if I decide to return to a nine-to-five, I'm so much more marketable and I have so much more experience because I'm putting myself out there in different ways. So what is the story behind you becoming an entrepreneur? And what types of services do you offer? What is your value add for your clients? So I've always been a hustler. I think I would say like, I I remember when I was younger, I would try to uh, like, I would make little wooden, like I would go to this store called the rag shop and buy these little wooden, um, these little wooden, little wooden plaques and paint them and write people's name on them and try to sell them to people. So I've always had this hustler of, mentality I've always liked making money I didn't like being broke never ever ever so um I just always carry that wherever I've gone like, I feel like I can't I'm always thinking about how could I make money from something or how could this be a service or how could someone charge for this so that's always been at the back of my head so for me over these past few years it's really been figuring out all right so how can I take my talents my gifts and create something from it so when I first graduated from college, I had the RainaCampbell.com brand, and it was really about helping people learn how to shine in their professional and personal lives. So that's where I started doing like branding consultations. I was um, growing my marketing career. So I was learning all these things about how to help people market it. So those were like the beginning services that I offered, marketing consultations, working with brands on social media management. And as the podcast grew, I realized that the podcast itself was a business entity. So selling sponsorships has been something I've been doing, working with brand partners. And I've returned to these strategy sessions where now I do marketing and podcast marketing sessions and podcast um, coaching sessions where I help other people who are trying to build podcasts specifically with their marketing. So what can you do better to grow it? How can you connect with your audience? And I also also recently uh, launch an elevator, elevator pitch coaching session. So really, really working with people on how they can tell their stories. As I mentioned before, I love stories and I'm realizing not everyone is good at telling their stories. And as you may know, I think sometimes when things come naturally to us, we don't realize that they're so important to other people and that you can use that gift of yours to monetize. I think the value add that I bring to clients is my experience and my love for stories because if you're working with somebody who doesn't love what they're doing they're not going to give you as much insight and as much encouragement and as much value as somebody who eats sleeps and breathes 
what they're teaching and what they're offering. So, I mean, it's an evolution. I'm still trying to figure it out. I definitely haven't perfected what my services are, but um, I think with any entrepreneur, it's all about evolving, listening to your customers and, and um, pivoting along the way if you need to. So what is someone's brand DNA made of? Uh, what are some of the most common mistakes you've seen people make when it comes to personal branding? All right. So when you think of your brand DNA, you really have to think about like who you are and what you represent to the world. So when you're thinking of branding, I think a lot of people think of branding versus people mistake branding and marketing when they're two different things. So when you think of branding, it's how does somebody feel when they're interacting with you? What are the things that come to mind when someone, um, is experiencing whatever your brand is. So when you think of Dreams and Drive, I always want people to, number one, remember the color red of some sort, right? Red is this action color. Um, I want people to think of the words Dreams and Drive. You're thinking of motion. You're thinking of somebody going from one action, one state of being to another state of being. Um, And then you're also thinking about what are the words that come to mind? I love to do this kind of free thought. I, I always tell people, if you need some help with branding, ask your friends, people who you know, hey, can you tell me the first three words that come to mind when you hear my name? And those words will help you understand what people are thinking about you when you're, um, as, as you're putting yourself out into this world. So your brand DNA is really made up of who you are and how you represent yourself to the world and how you want people to perceive and experience you. I think some of the common mistakes that a lot of professionals make though, when it comes to personal branding is not doing any of it, right? They're not being conscious about what they're putting out into the world. They're not crafting specific messages. They're not really putting any thought into what are the words I'm saying? Even things as a simple Instagram caption, even the things as like the types of pictures you're posting, how you're posting it, those are all branding and those are all things that people are remembering about you. So if you're not taking the time to invest in creating a strong personal brand, especially if you're a professional, then you're allowing other people to define it for you. And you want to be the one defining it for yourself. Like, you know, like people can always... People were like, let's say you had, well, let's say you never, you didn't have a Twitter profile, you had nothing, right? I could just make it up about you, right? But because of what you've put out there, I'm now taking that information in and developing my own sense of it. So you have to be careful in what you're putting out. It's kind of like Nike. If Nike started putting out food recipes on their on their Instagram page, you'd be like, wait, what? This This isn't right. There's something wrong here. So they carefully craft the messages they're putting out there so that they can stay on brand and they can stay on um, in alignment with the experience that they're trying to create. Mm. All right. I like that. I like that. <laughs> you know, cause I've been trying to get educators to think of themselves as brands for years. Uh, they are. Because- you know who I love? Sorry. Um, he was on my show, a uh, Dr. Jamar Mills. Have you ever heard of him? He's this educator from uh, Patterson, New Jersey, G-E-M-A-R Mills. And he calls himself, um, it's funny, I'm going to tell you what his tagline is. He is, let me just, you know when you're trying to find somebody and you can't find them? (laughs) Yeah. 
he's like the turnaround principle. That's what it is. So everything he he talks about goes back to this theme of being the turnaround principle because he was like this boy from the hood who ended up changing his life and now he's a principal turning around schools. So he's very, very consistent with that messaging and I think it really works for him. And I think that's what helps him get people because people who want to be turnaround principals themselves or want to see how that works will tune in, will follow, and will um, really engage with him on that level. Nice. I got to get mine down <laughs> so I can make some more some more coin. I always like that coin, uh, which is why I talk to educators a lot about creating that side hustle, becoming an entrepreneur, because, you know, we all know that at the end of the month, our salaries are not commensurate with our level of education and years mm-hmm. of experience and the amount of work we do. And so when you turn around and say, well, you know, my check isn't quite making it, so I'm going to go pick up a shift at this restaurant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, you know, work part-time at JCPenney. And I, I was on some educators podcast who he's an administrator and he bartends. Wow. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, okay. Now educators, let's monetize the talents that you already have. So you can go out there and create that side hustle where you can be a consultant, where you can write these books and start speaking. So you can do what you already doing. You know what I'm saying? That you already love to do and make some nice money on this because of some of that money, you know, it's not Gary V, you know, 40, $50,000 for speaking, but if you can go somewhere and get $10,000 for two hours of work, you're not making $10,000 that whole month. Okay. Just want, you know, want my educators to hear all that. Uh, so when people are thinking, and, and this is another thing I'm interested in hearing your point on when you're, thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and you sit back and you look at, I have these talents, I have these talents, I have these talents. I like this. I like this. I like that. How does someone actually niche down to figure out what their business is actually in? So I love that you mentioned really thinking about where your talents are. So I would say like, start really simple, get a piece of paper out and write down everything that you do well. Right. What are your skills? What are um, like, and and really just write everything. What do you like? What actually let's, let's start this over. Start with what you really like to do and what people tell you that you're good at. Right. Think about it in all areas of your life. You might be a good cook. You might be a good, whatever. But when it comes to education, if you're going to go down that field of that being your side hustle, think about all the things in education that you're very good at and that you like doing. And then you have to think about, so what are the needs within each of this? So let's say you are a science teacher and you're really good at, um, not, I want you to be detailed. You might be really good at um, creating science experiments, right? Maybe that's, there's some art in that. What about the creating of the science experiments are you good at? Is it the research? Is it the writing of the directions? Is it the facilitation of it with the students? Really write all those things down because there are going to be a lot of keywords. Like I just said research. I just said facilitation. It might be speaking. It might be the drawing of the examples. Now take those four skills 
And who needs those type of things? So who needs research or science research? Who needs science facilitators, right? Maybe it's moderation of, um, maybe it might be moderation at some kind of scientific teacher's conference, something like that, right? There's so many different things there, but you really have to take what your skill sets are, what you like doing, and then where are the need. So find that intersection because if there's no need for it, then there's no way you're going to actually make money on it. And then you really just need to do some, like I, I tell people that Twitter searches or people don't even utilize them a lot. Write down, like go on the Twitter and write just in the search bar, um, you know, I need help with whatever that is and see who's talking about it. See who already has a business on it. Because if someone has a business, that means that it's probably a proven concept and that you could probably find your own audience too. So don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to find your tribe or find an audience for what you're trying to do. Um, I think there's, I think everyone can make a side hustle and, and you can be really creative with it and find an intersection that people may not even know that they need. So let's say you are a good drawer, but you're in the education field. You might be able to do educational clip art. I don't know. And then you might be able to do educational videos for other educators who may be good at speaking but need to have graphics for their videos. So there's really a tie in there. Find things that you like from all areas of your life and try to find um, the intersection between the two. I have this quote or this screenshot that I'll never forget. There's two words <laughs> that I just think that it's a really good concept. You think about it. It's called idea sex, right? So basically just taking two different ideas and putting them together and creating a new idea. So I said design and I said education. How do those two things go together if those are both your interests? And there definitely could be a way for you to figure out what's the need once you put those two things together. Nice. People, I don't, I don't know if I need to save this episode. It's <laughs> come out. Uh, so no one gets anywhere by themselves. Mm -hmm. You hear a lot about accountability groups or accountability partners, you know, having people around you who can motivate you, that assist you to grow, that'll make sure that when you say, hey, I want to start that podcast, they're like, have you started that podcast yet? How much progress have you made on that podcast? What? goes into, I guess, finding that accountability group or partner? And what are some of the relationships that people need in order to become successful? I think the first thing that goes into finding an accountability group is you have to be out there, right? Um, you have to have something that people want to be in a group with you about. I think sometimes people just want to start with the, let's start a group, but you haven't actually invested the time in whatever your craft is. So I would say take the time, number one, to at least have some kind of foundation so that you can be a valuable member of any type of accountability group that you're a part of. How do you go about finding it? For me, it kind of came naturally as you're building your brand, as you're building your I guess your podcast repertoire, you're going to be meeting people along the way. So it's, are you nurturing relationships with people? That's the biggest thing. As people are coming on your show now, these are guests. They also can turn into friends. They can turn into mentors. They can turn into people that come up in other parts of your life. 
are you engaging with your community on social media? Your community should be your, your first accountability group, right? You should feel responsible to show up for them every week or whatever your schedule is. So for me, um, for me, I've had, for me, I've had, um, I've definitely had to make sure that my podcast knows that I'm going to be there. And if I'm, if I don't show up with the episode on Monday, they'd be like, Raina, where you at? And I'm like, oh man, like, you know, so there's that built in accountability there. But for me, I think the mastermind group that I'm on has been one of the biggest accountability groups. And that came from, how did we get started? I forgot. We all kind of knew each other because we were all on each other's shows. And I think we were going to pitch to be on, uh, we're going to pitch to be at podcast movement. And in that whole process of us working together to figure out what our, our panel was going to be, we're like, Hey, why don't we just take this to a group chat? And so it started as a WhatsApp group chat. And now it turns into like, um, our monthly mastermind calls and, you have to seek them. And if you can't find one, you might have to start your own and be the leader. So if you want an accountability group, don't be afraid to say, all right, I'm going to be the leader in this. I'm going to ask three other people who I know and who can bring value to this group to be part of it. And um, for me, that has been the biggest thing in my growth journey is those relationships. I think the relationships that you need in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, you definitely need to have your business mentors. So people or mentors in any, any sense, people who have already done what you're doing and can be a guiding light to you because you can get somewhere a lot quicker. If you know people who can tell you what, what pathways you should avoid. Right. And then you also need people in your mentorship group who are at the same level as you. And I say that because you want to have your peer group, people who you're all hustling in it together. Your problems are the same so you guys can give each other encouragement. And I think in your mentorship group, you should have somebody that you're mentoring. I think that's really important as you're an entrepreneur is to really have a sense of what the struggles are of those who may not even be yet at your level. And you might not even be at the level you want to be, but there's somebody who's a little bit below you who you can be a mentor to. And in that process of being a teacher, I think you'll be better tuned in to what the needs of your audience is and what the needs of just the business landscape, if you get what I'm saying. So those are the three basic relationships I think everyone needs. Um, and I would also say the relationship with yourself was important. I've been reading a lot about um, like self-help and the relationship with oneself. And I think if your self is off balance, that's going to feed into every area of your life. So making sure you're taking, of your, taking care of your mental, your physical, your emotional needs are very important as well. And make sure you're not neglecting your personal relationships or your family, your partner, whatever, because I think if you have that balance in your life, if you don't have that balance, then what do you, who do you get to enjoy being an entrepreneurship with, uh, being an entrepreneur with? And to me, that would be boring, right? If you're doing all this and you're going home, you're looking at the four walls. You're like, what, what's, what's the point? So I think having a bigger purpose, that's the, that's the relationship that's really important as well. Wow. 
That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> You're dropping so many gems on this show Thanks. today. I feel like I'm talking so much, and I'm so used to like being the one asking the asking the question. So this isn't really fun. Yeah, it's different when I'm on someone else's podcast as well. It's like, why wow, I'm on the other side of the mic. I'm just sitting here because you know, <laughs> I'm not directing the thing. I'm just okay. I'm I'm in it. But no, yeah. it's awesome. So you know, before we go, how should someone be using? social media and how can people work with you so i think it to use social media number one make sure you're not forgetting that social media the purpose of it is to be social so if you're trying to grow your your business trying to grow your brand make sure that you're finding ways to engage with people and build community i think that depending upon the platform there are different ways i personally love instagram um i love visual pictures i love seeing what people's thoughts are twitter is a good way as well in the beginning i was really heavy on twitter uh shout out to barry of podcast in color she's amazing and she her whole her whole hashtag hashtags are important find ways to get conversations going and find ways that you can be part of conversations on social so no matter what the platform is engage engage with people i always say one of the biggest mistakes i think i made in the beginning of podcasting was i wasn't on social media in the beginning i i don't know why i thought i didn't need it um so definitely be social and make sure you have something to add make sure you have a point of view a perspective on something and don't be afraid to share things you don't have to be crazy and post twenty thousand, you know things a day but make sure that you're at least being part of the conversation that you say you care so much about. That's been really important to me. Um, and how can people work with me? Well, you can always check out our website. I'm always trying to build our listenership. So if you're interested in uh, learning how you can take your dreams from park to drive, check out Dreams and Drive or an Apple podcast where Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to audio. And I also am offering coaching sessions. So you can just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash book to figure out what session works best for you and I also have gear dreamsanddrive.com slash shop uh, my services are evolving so I hope you guys are with me for this journey awesome awesome people I'd like to thank my guest Raina Campbell for coming on the show and being so dope it's been an awesome conversation on this morning Thank you. Thank you so much, Will. This has been really amazing. And I love what you're doing in your space. I feel like we all need to, like, you know, niche down as much as possible. You like working with educators, and that's what your thing is. I really commend you, commend you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. People, you know how I do this. The podcast will be on Simplecast, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. I've just submitted to iHeart's Radio, so hopefully they'll like do this thing. Uh, I need you to subscribe, rate, follow, share on the platforms uh, that you're on because you know your boy is trying to get Oprah on the show, and I want her to know that we're doing big things around here. As always, people, I want to thank you for listening to the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. Invest in you, EDU. Peace.